Good morning, everyone. Uh, great joy to be with you uh, here this morning. There's uh, just a brief outline. There's two main points I want to preach about today. First, wisdom, and then our gospel. So that's what we're building towards today. Stay with me. I have a couple of stories I want to share. Uh, first, when I was in high school, I, I, and still to this day, I love listening to music, right? I love the radio in the car, listening to different music. When I was in high school, I actually had dual subwoofers in my car, right? I thought it was super cool. So every morning, driving into the parking lot at Mullen, I would uh, blast my music, turn on, right, anything with a lot of bass in it, so a lot of hip-hop, a lot of rap. Not great music, right? But I would be blasting it as I was pulling into the parking lot. And all the heads would look at me, wow, that guy is so cool, right? <laughs> um, I loved listening to music, and uh, it wasn't until I went to seminary where really my appreciation for the beautiful music really started to take root, right? Typical pop music is just going to be a, a fun kind of song, maybe a good beat, uh, probably inappropriate lyrics, etc., but you're somewhat engaged with that. Beautiful music, on the other hand, when I started to encounter this, I started to see a deeper reality. And it was specifically beginning to listen to classical music that really drew my heart in. I remember different types of classical music, and what, what really became compelling to me is it really speaks to your soul. It really speaks to humanity. There's a, a, a wisdom to classical music where it starts maybe really slow, and then it kind of builds, and then maybe throughout you have different kind of... Uh, things that happen to help uh, with maybe your emotions, or think of um, Tom and Jerry, the great right, cartoon of like, it builds uh, to sit different parts of the show that then help with uh, what's gonna happen next. And one of the things I love about classical music, when you get a melody throughout that whole thing, and the melody start first maybe starts with the strings and moves to the wind, and then to the brass instrument, and you can just hear it going and going and how it builds and falls and rises, etc. There's something alive, and there's something that our heart kind of comes alive when we hear that type of music, right? And there's a rhythm to it. You have to stay on beat, you have to stay on tempo, and uh, that's what a symphony is. It's multiple instruments together making a harmonic, a symphonic sound, right? The opposite, of course, of a symphony would be a cacophony, something that doesn't sound good, something that just kind of clashes all together. A symphony draws you in. I think the secret to a symphony, right, that beat, that melody, leads to what, uh, and, and kind of explains what a symphony is. You can't understand a symphony unless you understand kind of the basic instruments that are in it, pairing together. Maybe another example of this is, uh, my mom is from New Orleans, and so growing up she loved to cook good Cajun food, right? Nothing better than a home-cooked meal for mom. Super delicious, super good. And one of the things she would often make is gumbo, right? What's the secret to a good gumbo? You have to have a good roux, right? What is roux? It's that kind of base sauce, it's flour and fat blended together that you kind of mix on the stove and it warms up. And if you do it too quickly, uh, you're, not, you're gonna have a bad roux. If you don't do it quick enough, uh, it's gonna not kind of stick together and stay together. There's an art to this to get a good roux. Roux is the secret to a good gumbo. If you don't have a good roux, you don't have a good gumbo. The secret to a good symphony is understanding uh, the kind of core instruments and the core melody. 
The secret to a good gumbo is understanding right, the roux and making sure you have a good roux as you cook it. Today, I give that analogy to essentially say, Jesus has been talking about his kingdom the last couple of weeks, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What does this mean? Brothers and sisters, the secret to understanding who Jesus is and what his kingdom is about is wisdom. This is why the church pairs these parables with the first reading from Solomon. Solomon has everything he wants as king. And when he's appointed king or anointed king, God asks him, what do you want me to give you? And Solomon could have said anything. I want worldly riches. I want power. I want death to my enemies. But what does he say? I want wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom helps him to know what is right and what is wrong. It helps him to discern uh, when to maybe enact justice versus when to enact mercy. It helps him to understand these different things. That's what I want. I want to rule by wisdom, not by a worldly wisdom that says I need more power, I need more wealth, but a true divine wisdom that says God help me to know how to discern these things, to lead with prudence, to lead with you. The secret to coming to know the divine and his kingdom is through wisdom. Wisdom is kind of that foundation gift of the Holy Spirit. I invite you today to beg God for wisdom. Without wisdom, we cannot know who God is. We hear the great verse, right? Although I've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, I've revealed the mysteries of my kingdom, the secrets of my kingdom to those who are like children. If we want to come to know God, it's not a worldly wisdom. It's not reading and studying more. It's about becoming like a child and receiving the wisdom of God. That's his logic. So what is wisdom? Wisdom defined by Thomas, which I have to give the Thomistic definition, right? Thomistically speaking, wisdom is knowledge of causes, knowledge of the first causes, knowledge of who you are, what, what kind of, what is human nature? That's wisdom. Wisdom teaches us that. But biblically speaking, as I was mentioning, God explains it to Solomon. When Solomon says, give me, uh, give me wisdom, help me to be wise, God then says, through your wisdom, you will be able to know what is right and what is wrong. Wisdom teaches us that, to know what is good, to follow our conscience, to follow the Holy Spirit. Wisdom teaches us not to follow and, and do the wrong things. Wisdom informs our conscience. And one of the things that wisdom does that's really powerful is it strengthens prudence. Prudence is the moral virtue. Human actions acquire it. Uh, wisdom is a gift of the Holy Spirit given to us by God. As we grow in prudence, what is prudence? Prudence helps us to make the right decisions, the right choices. Should I have that next drink? Should I have that extra piece of chocolate cake? Should I do this? Should I do that? That's what prudence helps us with. And wisdom as a gift of the Holy Spirit strengthens us in our prudential judgment, in our decisions, to know again what is right and what is wrong. Wisdom Divine wisdom is not the logic of the world. 
And if there's one thing you remember from my, from my homily today, remember this. Romans 8, 28. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. That's not worldly wisdom. That's divine wisdom. All things work for the good. All things. Brothers and sisters, this is such good news. This means uh, your wounds, our wounds, our, our fears, our, even our sins, God uses to work for our salvation. The things that maybe we're embarrassed about or, or don't want to think about, those things that we, we keep going to confession for over and over and over again, God is using even that to bring about your salvation. God works for the good in everything, not just in the things that make us feel good, but even in the hardships of life. God uses those for our salvation. That's divine wisdom. It's not the logic of this world. It's the logic of Christ. Wisdom then gives us the understanding to help us understand these parables today. We've been walking through Matthew 13. You see, there's seven parables in Matthew 13 about the kingdom of heaven. And these last three, I think, are commonly um, said or talked about, but are commonly misunderstood. You see, the first three, Jesus has to tell us, right? He explains the parables to us. What is the parable of the sower? And then he explains who the sower is, what the soil is, and, and how the enemy chokes out the seed, etc. Or the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Who plants the wheat? Who comes and plants the weeds? Jesus has to explain that. And very clear from the th first three parables is Jesus is the main actor. He's, he's the protagonist in each of these. And if we use that logic, we should actually interpret the last three parables with the same insight. But we often do the opposite. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding the one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. When we, tip, when we think of this, we typically think of, I have to have faith like that. That, Lord, you are that pearl of great price that I'm searching for. And I will do anything I can. I will sell all that I have to come and search for you. And when I find that pearl, I will rejoice. But this is not how it's meant to be interpreted. It's actually the opposite. Jesus is the merchant who's in search of fine pearls. And Jesus will do anything and everything he can to find that great pearl. What's the pearl? What's the treasure? Brothers and sisters, you are that pearl. You are that treasure. And God will do anything and everything to come and search for you. Jesus will sell all that he has in order to buy that field with a hidden treasure in it. Jesus will give his life, shedding his blood on the cross, because you are a pearl of great price, worth more than many sparrows. God will sacrifice his life on the cross, shed his blood for us, because we are that great pearl. He lays down his life for us. This is the wisdom of God. It's not the wisdom of the world.
The world says, get ahead, do more. Jesus says, sacrifice, and then, it's, then you will find joy. This treasure hidden in a field, a man found and covered up, and he goes and sells, but how does he sell all that he has? It says, with joy. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has in search of that treasure. Jesus does it with joy. He suffers on the cross with joy. All things work for the good of those who love God. Brothers and sisters, as you come and approach the Lord today, beg God for wisdom. Lord, help us to know what is right and what is wrong. Help us to make good decisions. Help us to, help us to follow our conscience that you have given to us. And Jesus, we beg you, help us to see ourselves as that great pearl that you are searching for. Come and find us. Lay down your life for us.